You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It is the 28th of May, 2015. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined by Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And uh, we, well, you know what? We really don't have much of a news segment because it was Memorial Day weekend and nothing happens in tech over Memorial Day weekend. But we have a hell of a show for you today. Coming in our... Uh, in our second segment after the break, we have the one and only Will Reynolds is going to be joining us for an interview about, you know, being a, growing a company, being a uh, successful CEO, uh, being a successful CEO and being a new dad. Anyway, I'm really looking forward to that conversation. Dave, how are you doing today? I am, uh, I'm doing fantastic today, Jim. You know what? Yeah. It's, it, I, I'm, on the, I'm on the gorgeous West Coast here right now. It's sunny. It's warm. Uh, and I'm trapped in a windowless office, but we won't talk about that part. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all, all in all, I, I think it's great. Um, Google I.O. launched. We've got a great interview. I mean, it doesn't get uh, much better than this for a day. No, no, absolutely it does. And I'm glad you're feeling I'm not feeling really up to, up to snuff today. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. Like, we're pretty smart guys, right? And I, 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 I like to think that I am anyway. I, yeah. I know you are. I like, I like to, to assume so. I am. <laughs> but we do these stupid things like just incredibly um quick pro tip uh listeners um I'm probably older than you are and one day you'll be my age and uh it, 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 important pro tip once you get past 40 don't go out with your mates and get into a chicken wing eating contest and then <laughs> expect to feel good the next day you're gonna lose even if you win <laughs> it's funny because it's not me dude it hurts it just hurts so bad <laughs> I won for what it's worth <laughs> which means you lost which means today I lost okay um, it, again it was the Memorial Day weekend so like not a lot of stuff happened 
over the you know over over the over the last week. But Google's doing their uh, their I/O conference right now. I know you've been monitoring it, Dave, and um, they've already had one uh, one kind of exciting announcement. They have, you know what they they've had. Uh, there's been a few uh, a few things that they've touched on um, so far, and, and for for our listeners who you know might, might be listening in podcasts, as of the time of this recording, it started about an hour and a half ago. Um, you know, I I've been watching the the keynote, um, but really we uh, we haven't got uh, got that far in yet. Keynote held by their VP of Products, Sundar. I'm going to totally mispronounce this last name, uh, Pichai. I, again, my, my apologies to the gentleman for, for the mispronunciation. I'm sure there. Um, anyway, it's 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 been really interesting so far. There's been a lot of, I mean, it, there's been a lot of announcements that have been that have been pretty neat. One of the things um, that they have talked about, and again, we're only an hour and a half into a two day uh, a two day blitz of information. Um, although it's one of the things I will say, it does get kind of frustrating because. Any time they say anything, there's this big applause from a bunch of Google fanboys and girls. Um, and it's like, yeah, there's been a lot of neat announcements. I, I've been Facebooking and tweeting some of the, the more interesting stuff. So I may sound like one of them, but they'll be like, oh, I picked up my pen off the floor, right? And there'll be a big, you know, applause, round of applause like it's some big thing. It's, it's a little silly at times, but they are talking about some really cool stuff. Um, one of the neat ones, basically... Um, the vast majority of new car i mean neat from the the context of google we can we can debate the pros and cons and uh, and what this actually yields in the real world um, but basically uh android where's what are they calling it android car uh, uh, android, android auto and yeah. and apple's carplay yeah um will be in nearly all new cars um by the by 2015, so we're going to have one of the two main uh, main product manufacturers. It really does appear, and I can totally see why. Um, from from the metric, I'm I'm guessing I, I'm going into the future here. This is Dave in the future, uh, and it's maybe because I've been watching Google spin on things. But from the look of things and, and the article over on CBC News today, um, it does look like Google is going to end up winning this horse race. Um, not surprisingly, more reliable uh, things like Maps, right? I mean, we all remember Apple uh, ha- had their problems there. Um, and let's not forget the wonderful price tag free, <laughs> which is, uh, is also helpful, of course. And here's the thing, listeners. Having conquered the um, various, you know, the, there's various realms that you have to conquer to own the user. It used to be back in the day you had to conquer the desktop, and Microsoft conquered the desktop they they uh in virtually innovated the desktop and they became the dominant um desktop computer uh software maker yeah the next thing you had to dominate was the mobile phone and apple got the super early lead there and you know everything i mean to say iphone is synonymous with mobile phone now yeah where you know android is kind of sort of but not quite iPhone totally know what they're talking about. Um, so, you know, Apple controlled the mobile phone desktop. The next frontier seems to be people's cars. You know, where people spend a, a good deal of their time. They get information um, and entertainment. Like you said, Dave, they they access maps. They listen to radio. Um, they uh, 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 don't know. Pretty soon, you know, they'll be like dictating and sending emails whilst driving along. Yeah, well, and that's you know, for for good or ill. Like this is, you know, we we all know it. Driving a car is actually probably the most complex task you will do in a day, 
<laughs> require like just from the variety of stimuli you need to pay attention to at a time. I have six monitors. It pales in comparison with driving a car. Um, you know, for good or bad that we're adding another distraction point to people's lives um, while they're doing this this incredibly complicated task, even when it seems easy. It's your brain's having to do a lot of work. Um, you know, it's it's it is a battleground um, for for these companies. Um, it's it's a logical battleground for them. Um, and, and it makes sense that Google's putting a lot of effort, um, you know, into, into, into this specific battleground. You're right. It is the third tier. Um, and it's coming in and, and I think it's almost replaced. I would have predicted, you know, a year ago I was talking about consoles as the third tier, um, you know, the, or the third stage, right? We had, as you called it, desktops, mobile, right? I was, I was looking at consoles as, as the next. Um, but Google's really launched forward as is Apple into, into the car, it does make perfect sense. The average person is in a car more than they're in front of a console, right? And, and by that, I mean gaming consoles. Think back to when you were a kid, okay? I mean, wouldn't this have been amazing when you were young? You wouldn't have, you would have been able to, like, turn off mom and dad's music on the long car trip and put your music through the sound system? <laughs> I mean, yeah, these, these are important higher. things, Dave. Well, I, I mean, the, the, it's, it is kind of humorous, too. And, and uh, I don't know, you, you might not be there, but I'll, I'll be on a road trip. We'll be driving up to Whistler. Seriously, it's about a six-hour trip with an hour-and-a-half long ferry ride in the middle. It's not a bad trek. You and I, you know, remember yeah, our yeah. probably spending hours. Anyway, we'll be driving up there, and, oh, this is boring. And I just have to turn around while they're sitting there with their Nintendo DSs and laptops and go, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, <laughs> you know, remembering my... You know, whatever twenty-hour drives from one place to another with nothing more than Cat Stevens playing on a tape deck right? <laughs> or whatever. What anyway? Um, and lots of really, Cat really Stevens stuff. tape playing over and over and over again, right? <laughs> well, exactly. That was the one that was in the car that hadn't been eaten by the bad tape deck. Um, there's a lot of really, really uh, neat stuff coming on the next version of Android as well. Um, some nice sensors that they've got coming up. Um, directly for Android, you know, if you leave your phone sitting down for extended periods of time, um, just it'll it'll be working to shut down various applications and things like that. that you can program and fixing a lot of the the interfaces. Um, yeah, but one of the the thing I think is is most um, interesting for developers to to sort of be paying attention to and users. I love it as a user. I love it even more if I was a developer. Um, the entire way that you're going to be using permissions in the App Store is completely different. Um, so when you download an app, you know it. We, we've all seen it, right? There's this big, long, you know, Riot Act list of, of permissions that you have to give the application. That's going to be removed. Um, so you'll no longer have to give the application all of these permissions out of the gate. What we will be doing instead is as the application needs that permission, it'll be asking you, which I think is great as an app producer. You're not going to have to give this big list and have the person go, ah, why are you asking for all of this? Um, so, and it'll help users understand why they're being asked for those permissions because it's only going to happen, you know, I say, hey, I want it, you know, I want to see a map to that place in Yelp. It's going to go, okay, we need to, to use GPS for your location. Right? It's going to be asking as you need it and then you're giving permission. So I think there's going to be a lot less resistance on, on installs for, for developers. So I think that's great for them. And I think it's great for users to get a better understanding and to only have to give permissions for those functions of that app that you use. So I think that's one of the big things I've heard so far. Not to say it's the only thing that's been launched, but um, there's there's been a lot of really neat announcements so far. But um, I think that's, that's the one cool that I think thing. Is yeah, like asking specific permission by um, usage is really cool. Um, yeah, you remember you remember remember when Facebook just completely freaked out because of the Facebook Messenger app being severed from 
um, the Facebook app on uh, Android and, and iPhones. Yeah, yeah. Now, it was the terms of service that was around... I'm sorry, the, the, the terms of permissions that was around the, uh, the Messenger app that had people freaking out. But the thing is, those permissions weren't any more than you would give, say, Candy Crush. Right. But people flipped about it because it was associated with Facebook, something that was big and uh, an entity they could identify as a privacy... Th- um, I don't want to call them thieves because we're, like, you know, giving them, you know... But it is a privacy taker. Right. Oh, it sure is. But, yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. Like, somehow King is, 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 is more trustworthy with my data <laughs> than Facebook is. Well, Scott Willoughby was working for King at one time. I don't think he is anymore, but he, he, he's a trustworthy guy. You can trust Scott, right? <laughs> um, um, I'll keep- Webcology listeners, you can trust them every time. Right. <laughs> okay, one more short thing. We're gonna have to go to break in a few minutes. And when we're coming, when we come back, we're gonna be coming back with Will Reynolds, and I'm like really excited. I'm so excited, I can't even think about one more thing. Is what do you got, Dave? Um, okay. Well, for those uh, who, who might have been paying attention to the rest of the world, and I, I know we've only got like one minute here. Um, so, uh, and this is more from my friend Simon Hesseltine in the crowd here. Uh, FIFA's in trouble, and that's awesome. About bloody time. I'm like seven of them have just got uh, got arrested. They're up on charges of corruption. I'm so, I know this has nothing to do with tech, but I had to had to go in. Um, the well, the entire organization's corrupt. I'm glad. <laughs> in a way, it has something to do with tech, and then tangentially. And it's just a question I got: How can you get away with pulling like? Yeah, I mean, FIFA's clearly corrupt. Yeah, like, I don't think anybody has a. I, they we almost laugh when someone suggests FIFA's corrupt because they're so corrupt. They're it's all you can do is laugh at them, right? Right. But yeah. how do you think you can get away with that sort of corruption in this day and age when everybody's watching everyone? We, social media and the internet has created the ultimate panopticon. How can you get away with being that corrupt? Yeah. Oh, indeed. Indeed. Um, but they didn't, and I guess that's your point. <laughs> you know what we need? We what need, we need? Seth Blatter live cam. We need somebody to follow Seth Blatter around with a live cam so we can get his arrest when it happens. <laughs> I'm, just I can't see that. Oh no, I I know. You know what? And I think we got about about one more minute. I'm just going to give a, a a hat tip. I I know this is a, a subject that'll that'll be true to you, no matter where you stand on this. Did you see the uh, the picture of the mayor of Barcelona getting escorted out of a uh, out of a building? Good for her, eh? Yeah, exactly. So for for those who who don't know, if you want to look at, at a real politician again. I don't care what your side is um, on this one, and I don't know enough about specifically what's going on in Spain right now to sort of speak to it, but I can speak to politicians who have my back. Um, and the mayor of Barcelona was escorted out of a bank for doing sort of a, a, a sit-in, <laughs> like an uh, anti with, with 500 of her closest friends, with, yeah. With 500 of her closest friends. And I, I saw that, and I go, you know, I don't know where, where I actually really stand on the issue, but I have to say to have a mayor who's going with the people you know, doing that sort of thing. Um, you know, she, she's, she's putting her money where her mouth is. And, you know, I, I wish I could say more uh, of, of my own politicians here in, in Canada would act on, on their conscience uh, to that degree, no matter what side of the spectrum they're on. Well, I can pull this back to tech before we go to a commercial. The revolution may or may not be televised, but you can da- be damn sure it's going to be on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Question is, 
what ads are Google, is Google going to throw on top of it? That's what I want to know. <laughs> okay, friends, you're listening to Web Culture here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It is the 28th of May, 2015. It's Jim Hedge from Digital Always Media. Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And stick around. After these very short commercial messages, we got Will, Re- Will Reynolds from Seer Interactive. We got him in the seat for a half hour. Going to find out. I really like this guy, and I've only met him once in my life, and I really, I, I can't wait for this interview. It's going to happen after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investments. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis. SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit spyfu.com. That's S-P-Y-F-U.com. And start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 28th of May, 2015. And just for those keeping tabs, summer's almost gone. Get outside and enjoy it while you can. It'll be gone before you know it. Okay, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, and we are honored to be joined by... Uh, you know what? I have this long introduction for this fellow, and we're going to go through most of this introduction in the interview itself. We are joined by the president CEO, the guy who founded Seer Interactive, formerly home housed in the Search Church in Philadelphia. Will Reynolds, welcome to Webcology. 
Ah, thanks for having me on. Man, I'm so glad to have you on. Like, and I, I'm, I'm sure that I'm speaking for a whole bunch of people in, uh, in our community. We have, I, I certainly have watched your career over the last, uh, well, I don't know, 10, 12 years as it's unfolded, you know, over Facebook and Twitter. And I got to tell you, man, I've truly enjoyed watching your adventure. Well, it's been a fun ride. <laughs> well, it's been a fun ride. I got a half hour and a few thousand curious people listening. Let's go back to the beginning. And for me, the beginning is I think I met you as this, like, gawky, gangly guy at a search engine strategies <laughs> conference in New York back in 04. Back in the days when it was in the Hilton, and they, you know, they had the three or four yep. levels of trade show and... You were just getting into the industry then. Yeah, I was kind of just getting started at that point. I mean, I, well, I had started doing search in uh, August of 99, but um, I was largely not not out on the, you know, going to conferences and stuff like that until around that time. Yeah, and uh, that was your first speaking gig too, wasn't it? It was one of the first ones. Um, most of my first speaking gigs were all from the Affiliate Summit because there was a time where like SES and SMX and all those guys, they would not even like – let me go up, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so the Affiliate Summit really was the only organization that gave me a shot in the early years. And then they would let me put my video up on YouTube, and then I think the rest kind of went from there. Okay. And the rest has been, I, I mean, for you, it's been a hard slog. You've had to fight for it. For us watching from the outside, it's called Remarkable <laughs> Growth. Um, so how did this unfold? So, you're, you're, were you working with a company in 2004? Were you an independent? No. So, in, so what happened is in 99, I started doing a search at a company in Connecticut. And uh, that lasted about two years. And then they went under. Um, and we were like, I mean, it was 99. So it was like height of the dot-com boom, super cool time. Uh, and then I, it was just a little much. So I decided to go to another company. Um, well, that company went down and then I went to like a fortune 500 where I was in house for about two and a half years. Um, and then I did that for two and a half years. And then shortly at some point in that process, I decided to go out and start, start Sear. And that was like around 2004, 2005 ish around there, I think. And so you were a loan operator then. We're, we're talking about a decade ago, right? Eh? Oh yeah, man! It was just me for probably the first two or three years. Okay, the the business builds on the uh, slowly, and then, well, I I want to jump ahead in the story to the church, search church. I can't wait to get to the church church part because that was just brilliant. But how did you get from single operator in Philadelphia to um, buying a church, uh, a former church? Um, and then, you know, that now you're in this beautiful, beautiful glass building, apparently just up the road from the old church. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what it is? I mean, it's it's going to sound really simple, and it may even sound cliche, but um, I just did – I tried to do the best work that I could for every client. And I think that what's allowed us to grow at the pace that we have is just that sentiment. You know, it's like, look, you give me your money. Like, I'm going to try really hard and I'm going to try to put the best team I can on the field. It's like being a coach, right? Like you can't guarantee victory, but you can guarantee effort. And, um, we worked really hard and I think that people felt that and it felt different than how other agencies were maybe working with them. And then our clients kind of have become our sales force. So they're the people that really go out and I attribute all of our growth to, because I wasn't trying to grow 
necessarily. Um, you know, I wasn't doing trade show booths. I wasn't doing press releases. I wasn't doing really anything to try to grow the business. I figured I'd be better off focusing my time on my clients and giving them a great experience. And then they'll go ahead and do our kind of marketing and promotion for us. And that worked out just that way. Well, I believe you to a point. And, 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 and here's where I stop believing you. There's a, but everybody in the industry is going to say exactly what you said. It's all about the client. It's all about doing good service for them. Um, you know, putting, not worrying about uh, building the business, allowing the business to build itself. But I think there's got to be other qualities here that have uh, either either personal qualities or external factors that have uh, you know propelled you forward. For instance, um, twice I've said Philadelphia almost incredulously because I never really thought there'd be a huge business climate in Philadelphia. How, how, how's the city? Uh, well, Philly's great. You know, um, the thing that I like about so to go back to your 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 earlier question, I mean, it it really is just a matter of degree. So you know, it's it's like if you boil down what somebody at NASCAR does, it's like they basically drive in a circle, right? Mm-hmm. So anybody can drive in a circle, but it's the marginal difference that makes them worth millions of dollars, right? So what's that um, difference? Where is me, it? I just I think I just care more, like you know. Uh, like I, I, because I, I didn't focus on, like I didn't really focus on things like margin. Um, I remember one time I was talking to Will Critchlow and Duncan up in Boston after a conference, mm-hmm. and and their jaws hit the ground when they when they were like, "You don't know your margins." I'm like, "I don't know my margins. Like I don't know what percentage of what comes in goes in a profitability. Like I just know that there's enough to pay the bills, keep me happy, <laughs> let me fly a couple places and see some stuff. And they were just like floored by that because I focused all my time on either innovating or doing something different, looking at the industry through a different lens or letting my clients know that I really freaking gave a shit. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, I think when you're in a business like this, like a consulting business, there's always those times where you're going to have a push and pull. And the push is like, do I do this thing for this client, even though they've asked me for 10 other favors, or do I kind of go, you know what, I know you want me to do something extra, and in order to do that, here's what I'm going to charge you to do it, right? That's normal, right? And for me, I think the the bedrock of Sear was kind of built on, if you needed help, then I was going to help you if I had the time, versus, well, you're asking me for my time, and I place a really high value on that. Now, that's changed over the years, but back then, dude the opportunity to talk to somebody about search or to do it, it was like a game for me. It was like fun. So, you know, I wasn't thinking, Oh man, I should really charge you for the, for the value I'm driving. That makes sense. I think there's, um, I think that there are other parts of character that make some people successful and others less successful. And, um, it's my, my, my pitch for the humanities in, uh, in universities. Um, (laughs) Well, I remember. I remember um, year after year seeing on your on your Facebook feed how you're um, with with the uh, local chamber of commerce doing a night out on the streets to raise money for uh, for homeless shelters, or yeah. um, getting uh, getting a program together to help teach uh, local kids. Uh, I think a couple of years ago I saw that you had uh, programs running through your through the business space, the search church. Um, so there's a giving on a greater level. And, um, would you say that's something that a successful CEO does beyond his or her business? You know what? I don't know. For everybody else, they can choose to run their businesses the way they want to. Um, for me, 
the one of the catalysts, I think the, the main catalyst that made me decide to start SEER was um, I was volunteering with sick kids um, and I had to get to the hospital at a certain time every Wednesday uh, at six o'clock. And I was showing up a little bit late and I had asked my manager, Susan, at the time, if I could work through my lunch on Wednesday so I could get to my volunteer assignment on time. And at that point, I had already been looking for another job for about two years um, at that Fortune 500 I was working at. And she said no to me. She said, no, Will, you can't do that. And um, that's when I decided to quit and start SEER. So when I look at where SEER's kind of gone, I have to remember that we would not be where we are if at some point I didn't have such a strong desire to spend time with kids in the city and try to help them in some capacity. Uh, so that's why for me, it's critical that I still spend my time and not just give money to charity because we wouldn't be here if I didn't have that catalyst in the first place. Okay, so we're uh, I'm going back back onto our, our uh, Will's career timeline for a second, and I'm looking somewhere around uh, 2006, 2007 when you went and bought a church. Yeah, so actually, I rent I rent the church. Um, I did not want this forever because we grow so fast that my fear was that um, we could outgrow it, and then I'd be stuck being a landlord instead of focusing on our business. Um, so luckily, uh, when we got the church, uh, someone else paid to renovate all of it because it was completely abandoned for years and years. Okay, I was wondering about that. I, I remember watching the photos go up, thinking, "Wow, that, like, what does it cost to renovate a church?" I think it was a little under a million bucks. Okay, but that was handled by by an outside group. That wasn't Sierra Interactive. No, sir. But you were certainly a beneficiary of it, eh? Well, here's the thing: is that there was no running water. There was like there was holes in the <laughs> ceiling. There was collapsed walls. So the building actually was like uninhabitable. So yeah. as a result, you know they were either going to have to sell it and have somebody knock it down, which the neighborhood wouldn't allow, or they would have a tenant that they knew was stable enough that they could put you know seven hundred fifty eight to a seven hundred fifty thousand to a million dollars into it so that we would be around long enough. The last thing you want to do is build all this space out for some startup, have them fizzle out in six months to a year, and then you're stuck holding the bag on, on that build-out. Certainly. So Sear moves into, the, into the, uh, the church, renames it the Search Church, and then opens it up to the community. Yes, sir. How did that work? You know, it's, it, it's easy to do the day-to-day when you know what you believe. Right. So if I started SEER based on um, I went to school to be a teacher and I spent a ton of time volunteering before uh, I started SEER and throughout SEER. So then when we moved ourselves from one building to another, you know, when I looked at the church, it immediately just clicked that, wow, we're going to have all this extra space we're not going to be using. Think about the good things we can do in our community with that space. And so it was a no brainer. It's just an extension of what we already believe, which is, you know, let's get good people together bring them together, and uh, whether it's a charitable event, if it's yoga, if it's, you know, uh, an event with Rand Fishkin and the Moz team, whatever it is, like, let's use this space to bring people together to learn stuff and try new things. And uh, do, you, do you still rent the space? Yeah, I mean, we give it away. So any nonprofit that wants to use it, um, that kind of, you know, fits a certain criteria, we're like, yeah, it's yours to use. Uh, we're not, you know, we don't, uh, we don't want to try to make money on it. We want to give them a facility that they may be able to use for an event or something like that. Um, so we don't do that too, too much. We do that a little bit, but we do all, a lot of mentoring here. So we'll have a lot of students come in for the day or whatever to, to, to work with different people or shadow people in the company. So we use it for all different types of things. 
How big has Seer become? Uh, what's your head count now? I think we're about 103. Wow. Wow. So, again, going back, uh, going back about 10 years, you just left that Fortune 500. You start your, you know, start off on your own. I was, this may, may seem like an obvious question, but did you see this happening? No, and I didn't want it to happen. It wasn't um, even part of your dreams. It was. It was actually to me. Uh, uh, I would actually consider it to be a little bit of a nightmare. Um, <laughs> so, when we first started the company, um, and there's two people still here who were here at the time, is I told the team I never wanted to get over ten people, um, because there was a part of me that wanted to get to know the people I worked with really well, and I figured that. Um, that I could do that and we could also like I could really be like hey if we really grow this business like and there's only 10 of us then the profits that get divided up at the end of the year would look really sweet in terms of bonuses and things like that so I was like I want to know a group of people really well and I want to see if I can try to make them rich and um the problem with that is that it didn't allow I was just way over invested in, in people at that time so what ends up happening is people sometimes they change their minds about what they want to do in their career right and that's okay but when you look at your company and you're going oh my god I stunted the growth of my company so that you know we could do these things for these group for this group of people and then they choose to like move on try something different or their, their spouse gets a new job and they move I kind of took that super personally um, and I realized that that wasn't like, you know, I went to school to be a teacher and now I'm running a search company. You've got to give people the latitude to change their minds. And it's not just about being a good manager and having the open books and sharing and all the profits with everybody. It's like a lot of other things that happen in life that might cause somebody to want to try something different. And uh, I was naive enough being a very young CEO to think that if you just took really good care of people and that you were really transparent with them and that they could look at what the profitability of the company was and all that, that they would just stay forever. And, um, the other thing that kind of broke through that is I kept meeting great people. So, you know, when we're at 10 people and I'm talking to, you know, Rachel and Adam and Crystal and whoever, I'm going, we're not going to get over 10. We're not going to get over 10, but I'd meet somebody awesome. And I was like, man, this one person would be great to work with. So at the time, we're capping our growth. I'm turning away probably 90% of the leads that come into the business. Um, and I'm just referring them out to friends. And I'm also turning down some really cool people who might want to work at Sear because I wanted to keep it small. And then I would find one of these people, bring them on in, and then my team would be like, oh, we're 10 now. Oh, we're 11. Oh, we're 12. We're 13. And then they were kind of like, Will, what are you doing? Are you going to stick to this 10 number or are we going to go on over? And I think what I eventually realized from the, you know, from about 13 to 100 is that as our company grows, it provides growth and opportunity for people within Sear. And that's actually more important to me than the other than the other kind of smaller things uh, about like knowing everybody so well. It's like, no, I'd rather give you not unlimited opportunity, but tons of opportunity than to say, well, I know, you know, every single thing about you, your husband, your wife, your dog, your alma mater, your mom's name. Like, no, I'd rather provide opportunity for people to grow and learn. You know, a couple of times in the in the last decade, um, I saw extremely passionate explanations of, well, I guess your evolution as a CEO and as a manager, and you just poured your heart out explaining where you were at and why you were there on, on Facebook. And um, how much have you changed over the last 10 years uh, as this business has grown and you've now become a the CEO of a larger than medium-sized company? I've changed a lot. So, like, for instance, I started off telling people we wouldn't get over 10 people because I wanted to know everybody personally, right? And I still know everybody's name now, 
Um, but, you know, like to me, if somebody had told me 10 years ago, you'll get to a point where, you know, you may not know everybody's like spouse's name or whatever. I'd be like, I wouldn't do that. And here I am, right? I'm there. Um, you know, I've also, I think the downside is that I've gotten really stingy with my time. Um, and it's like, as a result, I'm hyper protective of the little bit of free time that I have because I do still try to spend a lot of time with my team. So what ends up happening is my day gets sucked up usually with a lot of like one-on-ones and how are things going at Sear and how can I be a part of helping you grow in your career and learn the skills you want that, you know, sometimes I'll get, you know, I get home on the weekend and I don't want to do anything, um, because I'm kind of spent. So that's, that, that, I would say that's changed uh, a good amount. And I do now actually look a little bit at margin. Um, I have other people who kind of help me to run the business now. So I step down as the CEO and then Crystal is kind of running the business um, for the most part because I don't focus, you know, you're not going to do something right that you don't focus on. And if I didn't focus on margin and how the business and the complexities of the business, because I wanted to play with this new thing that Google's doing or Facebook's doing, that was actually doing a disservice to the stability of the company and of my team members. So if I really cared a lot about my team members having a place that they could come to for years and years if they wanted to, um, then I needed to step out of the role of running the company because I had the potential to fuck it up because it had gotten so big and complex that like, I don't know how to run a big and complex company. So I had to be really honest with myself and say, I can still kind of be the guy who makes all the decisions and potentially screw this thing up for myself and a lot of people, or I can elevate somebody who's a lot better than this, uh, at this than I am. And then I can focus on innovation in other areas. And that's what I've done. So how hard was it to not necessarily learn that lesson, but to actually take it to heart? It was easy. Um, when I first started Seer, it's funny, one of my friends <clears throat> from college came to one of our events at the church recently, and uh, he showed me my, my business card that I had given him when I first started Seer. And um, my business cards when I first started Seer never said CEO or president or anything. It just said like associate, right? Even when, it was, even when I was the guy that was running it, I've never had a title on my card. And I guess maybe deep down, I always kind of knew that I wouldn't be the guy who ran Seer um, because it just at some point if it ever grew, it wouldn't be fun um, and I wouldn't be good at it. So, yeah, I think it was really easy for me to make that decision. Now, I, I, I know when I – and I think a lot of our listeners are probably in, in this boat or, or various degrees and, and I know between Jim and myself, we've, we've both been here. I know when I, when I was growing a company and hit probably somewhere between 10 and 12 people – it was like a train wreck, and it stopped being fun, and it, it basically got got a little bit out of control for me, and I, I hated it. You obviously successfully passed by that um, and, and, and got to 10 times that volume and, and managed to hold it together. I, I've talked to other people. It does seem to be this 10 to 12. What was your secret? How did you get that past that 10 to 12 point and, and, and sort of the, the problems that can arise at that point with, with managing everything? I don't know. Um, because I'm not like a management guy. Like I, you know, I can't really look back and say, how did I get through that? Like 15 people time and like not mess it up. I don't know. I probably wasn't messing it up, but we were selling enough on the top end that the mistakes that I was, you know, revenue fixes everything. Right. So the mistakes that I was making in the business, I was able to fix because we were, because we were getting so many referrals and so many leads in. So that's probably all that it was. 
Now, I mean, this leads me to a, a natural, a natural question because you know everybody's goal is is revenue, and you're right, revenue does fix everything. It can hide problems sometimes, and I, <laughs> yes, you know, it but but it can, uh, but it can definitely solve problems. What did you do? I mean, it was a different time. You can't apply what you did, you know, at, at that time with what you should be doing now, certainly. But what was your secret sauce? There were a bunch of people trying to start out at about the same time, heck, myself included. Um, and you've eclipsed many of us. What was your secret? What did you do other than hiring some good, talented people? I mean, obviously, that was part of it. But what what was your secret sauce? Uh, I, I mean, it's funny. I literally think that I cared more than than other people. Like, I think that I just cared more. Like, it, I, I didn't really get into running the business. Like, I stayed really focused on helping people to be successful, like helping other businesses to be successful. Um, and I ignored my own. And I just, to be honest with you, I'm telling you, it's like, it's a shitty answer, but it's honest, which is I just worked really hard for people and they felt it. And when somebody said to them, hey, how do you go, you know, I'm having a problem with my website. Who do you recommend? They wouldn't be like, oh, I know this guy at Sear. They'd be like, you have to talk to this guy at Sear. Like this one time my website went down at 2 o'clock in the morning and I emailed him and he got out of bed and he helped me figure it out and fix it. Right? It was like, ugh. Well, yeah, I mean like those (laughs) things matter to people. Like I I think people felt an attachment to – to me into the company that they just felt like I cared more about the money they were giving me to help them be successful. I really believe that was all it was. And I don't, and I don't know how to tell people how to replicate that. And that's the issue. It was probably so authentic that people felt it. Right. Um, and maybe I was good at what I did too. Like maybe it was like, Oh, we really like you, but you also actually get results. Maybe. Um, Okay, we're gonna we're gonna have to take a break at this point. Uh, well, can we get you to stick around for about uh, ten, fifteen more minutes? We got to do a commercial break, but um, there's so many more questions we want to ask. Yeah, sure, man. I can stick around for ten more minutes. Wonderful, I really appreciate it. Okay, friends, uh, Will's gonna stick around. So, on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm. It's the 28th of May, 2015. Stick around. We got a few more questions for Will coming up after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. Creating a website is not an easy task, and there are so many companies to choose from. How do I know which one is best? It's a big jump making your site mobile-friendly, generating sales, and answering questions with no struggles. If you want to come out on top, you need Frog on Top. At Frog on Top, we take the time to make your site generate money, not just look good. Our team of experts are WordPress savvy, and our customer service is leaps ahead. See why we say our websites are designed better by leaps and bounds by going to frogontop.com. Frog on Top, your one-stop solution for the web. Frogontop.com. 
Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone, welcome back to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It is quarter to the top of the hour on the 28th of May, 2015. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined by Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And Dave and I are joined by Will Reynolds from Sierra Interactive. And, Will, we've been trying for the last few minutes to deconstruct whatever that secret sauce is that, <laughs> that you got and worked with your clients. And I got another angle to come at it from a couple of years ago. Uh, you and um, Rand Fishkin from uh, from Moz. You took the, the the terribly interesting step of exchanging responsibilities for a week. Yeah. Why did you do that? Um, so he and I were having beers in my neighborhood, and we started talking about that show Wife Swap. And then we're like, why don't people that are CEOs do that? Like, you would learn so much. And then I was like, well, why don't we do it? And he said, okay. <laughs> really? So you you would like leave the captain's chair, put somebody else in your captain's chair, take their chair on a whim over beers? Well, it's not on a whim, right? Because um, I know Rand pretty well. And one, I value the way that he's run his company. And um, I thought that if he worked at Sear for a week, it would help him build a better product because it would help him get back into agency world and like really feel what it feels like. And from my standpoint, I knew that he had built really strong, a really strong leadership team, strong processes, great cultural things. And I wanted to see that from the inside so I could also become a better manager. So it was pretty easy to conceptually do. I think the harder part were things like um, trying to manage that guy's inbox. So like it's funny <laughs> – uh, like I would get responses from people who were not Moz clients who like you could just see these like long threads of Rand helping somebody out like writing paragraphs and paragraphs to people at you know two three in the morning and I'm like holy shit like this guy answers my emails but he answers everybody's freaking emails and he's trying to write these very detailed responses and help people out and um, that was really really hard to do but you know there's an interesting thing um, interesting, Rand, um, inarguably one of the most successful people to ever come out of the uh, the SEO industry. You, extraordinarily successful guy in the SEO industry, and both of you are answering people's questions in the middle of the night or going that extra mile or two to help people out. Again, you know, for listeners, that may be part of the secret sauce, eh? I think it is. Um, but like, you can't fake that. So I think what happens is with guys like Rand and, and, and myself – um, like, you know, I spoke at Moz a couple years ago and I brought like, uh, $1,500 worth of books. Right. And, um, I, at the end of my session, I sat down with people and like, I was like, you come up to the stage, you tell me what you are struggling with. And if I've got a book or something that I've read that can help you, I'll give it to you. And, um, 
and I had books from like, you know, Selling the Invisible to Good to Great to Lean In, all these books that I kind of shaped the way that I look at our industry, the way I look, the way I shape the way I built my company. And, um, and like people were saying, like, they just felt they were like, wow, I feel like you can just go up to this guy and tell him what you're struggling with and that he will try to help you. And it's like, well, yeah, I was I went to school to be a teacher. Like, I like to help people with problems. I like to watch people grow. So it was natural for me. And although Rand's not a teacher, it's equally as natural for him to do the same. And I think that that brings a certain amount of authenticity. It brings a certain amount of, hey, you know what? If I need help with my strategy, I'm going to call that person because they've been helping me out for years for free um, as they've had time or as they could make time. So I think that is part of this, but it's not a secret sauce. It's out in the open for everyone to see. It's just that, you know, some people when they went to go to bed at night because they had a 12, 13, 14 hour day in the office, you know, they went, they went to bed. Rand stays up for another four hours, five hours answering people's emails from like India, Bangladesh and you know, anywhere else anybody's got a question. That's just different, you know? I, I was at the very first BozCon. Tiny, must have been like 80 or 90 people there. It was held in a uh, in a chapel at the on the UW campus in Seattle. <laughs> and I'm uh, standing in the back of the room with, uh, with Jillian, Rand's mom. And Rand takes the mic, and after a couple minutes, Jillian leaves, leans over to me and says, Wow, you know, if it wasn't for search, I think you could become a teacher. <laughs> yeah, right. I could I could see that, right? Um again, maybe there's a, another point of connection. Um being able to explain or to explain in uh I'm not going to say simplify the simplify the process, but simplify the explanation and make it um understandable and accessible to the to the to the your your clients and to uh to the people you're working with. You know, you know what? You're hitting on something there. So people have asked me for years, like, Will, you know, your speaking style is really great and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I don't know. I just go up and talk about something that I love to do. Like, I, I haven't tried to do a lot of different things. I haven't studied up on it. And eventually over time, what I, what I realized is being a teacher, a high school teacher, and trying to teach high school kids economics, you learn to try different things to engage the audience. You learn how to read the audience. You learn how to see if they're paying attention or not. And they don't want to be there, right? I mean, most of my students were in like a lower income area. They didn't want to be there. So if I practiced for a couple of years um, trying to get people to get interested in average total costs and average variable costs and marginal cost curves and elasticity, um, and they don't want to be there, it's really easy to talk to somebody who's paying 1200 bucks to go to MozCon who's paying to see me speak, <laughs> right? So I think it was great. It was a great sandbox for me to learn on how to connect and engage with people and take complicated topics and have them at the end of the classroom feel like they understood it more and that they understand how what I just talked about affects their day-to-day life. No, now, something I, oh, sorry, go ahead, Jim. Oh, no, go for it, Dave. Go. I don't want to hug the mic. Go for um, it. So, something that I, I had to look at, and, and it's funny, nice timing because you're, you're talking about wanting to teach. Um, I, I'd taken a look at your site back in, in the archives uh, in prepping for the show. You're back in the, the you know, archive.org for, for listeners wondering what I'm talking about. Uh, it was really clear you know, going, going back in time that that was a big thing. I mean you have, you have tons and tons of content in there, tons and tons of news. Um, then I had to take you – know, with, with snooping around through, through your backlinks. Sorry. It, you know, I had to. Um, <laughs> to. To take a look and see how your content is resonating. 
resonating, right? Like, you know, using Ahrefs, you know, how is this content resonating? How is the, the stuff you're doing now maintaining? And, you know, what are, what are some differences going on in social shares and, and things like that? Your content still clearly resonates. You're still doing, you know, some, some great link acquisition. Most SEO sites I see have their, their peaks and valleys, uh, and, and everyone does, but, um, yours is, is really held pretty strong over over lengthy periods of time and you're producing obviously some great content that's resonating how do you and your team choose what content's going to resonate is it just that you have a bigger audience or are you and and if you are how did you develop an audience and 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 keep up with that content and know what to write about and i've of course looked through your blog and there's a lot of great stuff in there how do you choose what to write about that you know is going to resonate like that how do you teach through your blog you know what's interesting is um, – so I've never policed the blog. So um, there was a time up until I think we were about 80 – probably until we were about 80 employees, like everybody had a login and password to the blog and they wrote what they wanted to write. I said, I never want to influence your voice. So if you want to write and you're really passionate about some shit, I'm like, write that shit. I don't want to be the guy telling you what you can or can't write on the company blog. Now, we've had to put some constraints in place because we're bigger, but I would say that through, the, through our first 80 employees – Anybody could log in and write at any point about anything they wanted to because I trusted people. I knew they wouldn't go in there and write about stuff that wouldn't fit the blog. Um, and because I trusted them, they said, oh, well, of course I'm going to live up to that trust that I'm given. So it was nice because people could get fired up about something and could write about it. For me, I think the things that I've written about um, – there are a lot of times I look for things that other people aren't talking about, so I'm not just part of the noise. And I think some of the more emotional stuff that I've written about, like turnover or um, you know hiring and firing people, or you know the bonus plan that I built that that really freaking came back to bite me. I think those things are very real, and as a result, I don't put on a facade that like I know what I'm doing at Sear. And I think that 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 bringing that guard down once again, helps you to feel authentic and feel approachable when I'm not saying, oh, look at how great we are. Like, Sears grown to 100 and blah, blah, blah people and 10 million in revenue and da, 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 da. Instead, I'm going, I don't want to write about that. I want to write about the shit that I fuck up so that when other people see it, they can go, wow, I can learn from this guy's mistakes. You're not going to learn anything from me telling you how awesome I am and all the things that I got right. You're probably going to learn a ton more about the things that I've gotten wrong. And what I, and I learned that lesson by speaking at South By. So I got invited to speak at South by Southwest, and I got to speak to a room of probably about 8,000 people or so with um, a panel. And I was invited onto this panel, and the title of our of our session was We Fucked Up. And it was all these like companies that people in their industries looked up to just talking about shit they messed up in their companies. And I saw how well that session did at South by, and I said, that's it. I said, people are sick of hearing about people who are quote-unquote successful. They would much rather hear about people who they consider to be successful and look at all the things they screwed up in a very open and transparent way. And I think that influenced a lot of how I write now. Yeah, well, we're down to our like, final minutes, but you just opened the door and now everybody's <laughs> going to want me to ask questions. So I got to, what was your biggest screw-up? Um... So, well, it wasn't mine. Um, my biggest screw-up, let's think. Um, You've had 10 years to make one. There's got to be something to that. <laughs> oh, no, there's so many of them, right? Um, oh, here you go. So the, the, the quintessential thing that made me get out of the role of running the company, that we grew revenue 40% and grew profit 0%. Oof. 
because I was just spending money. Like I think that year I had given out like 15% on average and raises. Like it was just crazy because I never, I don't look at the money. So I was just like, Oh, I'm giving out great raises. We're having a great year. We're growing. And I didn't realize that like our bottom line expense line had been growing at like a clip of 80%. And <laughs> the top line was growing at 40. Well, that's going to yeah. erode your margins pretty quick and put you in the poor house. So that was probably one of the biggest mistakes that I made, but I'm so lucky that I got people um, who were around me that were able to step up and go that I could look at who I had been working with and trusted and could say, I'll take this because I like what we're doing. And to be honest, Will, you're probably going to mess it up for yourself and all of us too, who really enjoy being here. And thank God, like, you know, Crystal kind of um, was open to taking that rollover after she got back from her maternity leave. And we're running better than we ever have because I'm not running the company anymore. Well, it's, it's wonderful that, that one of your greatest mistakes led to one of your best decisions. In the, in the you yeah, know in the long run in the scheme of things, um, yeah, dude, totally. Well, I have a hundred more questions and less than 30, 30 more seconds, so we're gonna have to leave it here. Thank you so much for joining us on Webcology today, dude. Uh, thanks so much for having me. It took a, took me a little while to not just say uh, you know just care more than everybody else, but I think we got to some good shit at the end. Absolutely, <laughs> we did. And uh, it would be remiss of me to not note this: Will you will be the keynote at PubCon in uh, in Vegas in the autumn. Looking forward to seeing you there. Uh, yes, I'm looking forward to rolling the hard six. And there's the music. Uh, we're on our way out. Uh, Will Reynolds, CEO Interactive, thank you so much for joining us. On behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Waste Media. You listen to Web Culture and WebmasterRadio.fm on the 28th of May, 2015. Stick around, Webmaster Radio. Great content coming up the network after the news. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.